Welcome to the Prophecy Club. This has been on my heart for the last couple of days to talk about. And before I give you the topic, uh, there's a little bit of a risk in talking about this. And that is, you could glean that I'm trying to call attention to myself. You could pick up that I'm trying to show myself more approved of God than you. Or trying to maybe be arrogant, and that is not my heart. As a matter of fact, I will just ask you, would you like to know what it is like to receive a revelation from God? So that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Revelation from God and some other things. In other words, what I've found, it is like to hear from God in various different ways. Now, I don't do this because I'm trying to say I'm better than you. I'm not trying to lift myself up. I say this with all humility. Kind of like someone emailed me the other day saying, thank you very much for what you do and wonderful, nice, kind things, which, by the way, thank you very much (laughs) compared to some of the things I get. Uh, That's very nice. And I responded back and I said, well, it's all the Lord because You know, David was just a shepherd boy until God raised him up to be a king. And I said, and I'm still just a shepherd boy. I'm still tending the sheep. So I know that I'm nothing except what the Lord does through me. I'm kind of like a glove, okay? Glove's just going to lay there unless a hand goes inside that glove and does something. So just before we start out, I want you to know that I know, and I believe you understand that you're nothing either unless the Lord uses you to do that. So with that as a start, so the question is, what's it like to receive a revelation from the Lord? As you know, about two years ago, I memorized the book of Revelation. I didn't know anything specific or anything more than normal was going to happen, but all of a sudden I began to receive revelations, received 30 revelations, two visions, and an audible voice. So we're going to talk about what it's like to receive a revelation from the Lord. I would say it this way. I knew that what I had just got in my head or in my heart, and sometimes, by the way, it's a little difficult to tell whether that came into your head or whether that came into, maybe I'll talk about my experiences. I find it difficult sometimes to tell whether that came into my head or whether that came into my heart. It was just a knowing that I would say, It's a knowing that came into me not from my five senses, not from what I saw, heard, smelled, none of that. I would also say that it made me smarter (laughs) than I normally am. In other words, it was wisdom above my wisdom. I never thought of that. I never saw that before. I never understood it that way. And all of a sudden, well, kind of like back in the days when God told Moses to make, you know, 12 stones and to carve the names of the different 12 tribes on the stones. How do you know that? When he told him to make uh, the Ark of the Covenant, when he made the tabernacle, I mean, he had to impart knowledge into these people that didn't know how to work gold or to carve stones and to build buildings, but he had to impart the knowledge. Well, the Bible says that he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He, here it is, giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. So all knowledge comes from 
Jesus, i.e. the Father. That's what it's like. It's like all of a sudden you know something, and you know that you know that you know it, but you also know seconds ago (laughs) you didn't know that. It's not like taking a college test or something. In other words, it's not head knowledge. It's just a knowing. Impressions. I would say it's impressions. It's not necessarily words or visions. Now, he does speak like that, too, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. But right now we're talking about just the revelation, just a knowing, a knowing that you know, but you know that you can't know that, but you know that you know it, if that makes any sense. It's wisdom in a split second. And it may take 10 minutes to explain. Like, for example, okay, like the, the, the date was December the 26th, I believe, of 2004. Been a while since I've told this story. I was uh, preaching at our church Sunday morning, and I could take you to the very spot in the carpet where my right foot took a step, and all of a sudden, I received this information that that tsunami that hit Banda Aceh was not just a tsunami, but that that was the breaking of the water. The Bible says the return of Jesus is like a woman in travail, meaning that once the water breaks, we know absolutely positively that the baby is coming. Once the water breaks, there's no holding it back. The birth pains have now started, and it's there in their final conclusion Once the water breaks, the baby is coming. And this was the breaking of the water, meaning that that is the beginning of sorrows. That is the final phase of the woman in travail. Now, when the birth pains come, there's false birth pains, and sometimes they come pretty early in the pregnancy. But the point is, what he was saying is this Bandaachi tsunami, I believe it was December 26th of 2004, was the breaking of the water. It is the start of the return of Jesus. All of that came in a split second, but it took me a while, just like right now, to explain to you what I got in a split section. Second, it's the, a revelation of the Lord is a knowing not previously known. Now let's talk about still small voice. What is the still small voice? Now, I've heard people say, well, the Lord told me to go get a hamburger. Well, I can't say that, no, the Lord doesn't tell you to go get a hamburger, but in most cases, <laughs> that's probably not a still small voice. In other words, we're probably confusing our voice with the voice of the Lord. Let me give you an example. I've told this story that uh, I guess it was, mm, it was, it was even before he had told me to write a book. One Sunday afternoon, I had already been studying the Bible Friday night, all day Saturday, and you might say I was bobbled out. So after the service Sunday morning, I just came home. My wife, Leslie, had to go over for uh, a shower for my daughter, and so I was left alone. And about the last thing I wanted to, wanted to do was read the Bible. So I picked up a Jack Reacher novel, and I started reading through it just to just kind of clear my head. And all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to my heart. I did not hear a voice, but the Lord spoke to my heart and said, What is the name on the forehead of the 144,000? Okay, I'm thinking about that. So I quoted it out loud to myself. 
And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Sion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their forehead. Well, this first time something like this ever happened to me, I didn't understand, A, how important it was when the Lord spoke to me like that, and I didn't understand how important the question was, but I was about to find out. So at first, I I mean, I'm just being honest with you, I kind of answered flippantly. I did not answer with the respect that I should have. And I said, uh, what's the name on the hundred and forty four on the forehead of the hundred and forty four thousand? Uh, I don't know. Frankly, I was thinking I didn't know it was that important. <laughs> so I said, I don't know, Jesus, Yahweh, something like that. And I went back to reading, and the voice came to me again. Again, it wasn't an audible voice, but I promise. I heard words, and that's something we have to learn, that God doesn't have to speak to us in words, but we know we heard words, and I heard words, and said, once again, same question, what is the name on the forehead of the 144,000? Okay, well, now he's asked me twice, so this is serious. All right, all right, all right, let me think. Now, I quoted again out loud. I looked, and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. I thought, it's got to be either Jesus or Yahweh. And so I said, all right. I answered out loud, (laughs) kind of like the game show. I said, Jesus or Yahweh, That's, that's my final answer. And I went back to reading. Again, I didn't, I'm sorry about it, didn't understand it was so important. But then what came next was the answer. And the answer was their father's name. And then in a millisecond, I got the understanding. He said, like, for example, uh, as you recall, David had this little affair with Bathsheba, and Bathsheba had a child from that affair, and that child died at seven days old. And he made me to know that this child is probably, he didn't say would, would probably be one of the of the 144,000. And on his forehead will be the name David. The answer was the name of their father. Of course, you have to understand that the 144,000, 144,000, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes, and they are, according to Leviticus 23, 4, 5, or 6, somewhere in there, that sacrifice has to be a lamb, a male lamb of the first year without blemish. So these are all 144,000 one-year-old Jewish, or I should say uh, children of Israel, they're children that died in their first year. That's the reason in their mouth there's no guile, and they're without fault before the throne of God. Now I'm getting into talking prophecy, and I don't want to do that, so let me come back to what I'm saying. The point is, the still small voice spoke to me, but I answered out loud. Let me give you another example. One Sunday morning, I was sitting in the Sunday school. Leslie was teacher or teaching at the time, and the Lord spoke to my heart, and I heard words. Now, I didn't hear them in my ear, but, I mean, I promise I heard English words, and it said, the song of Moses is not a song. Well, I knew that. I knew that it was a prophecy. 
But immediately I went up into my office and I looked it up and I reread the Song of Moses and it was given to Moses on the day he died, his 120th birthday and blah, blah. Basically, it says that God is going to raise up Israel again. But the point is, still small voice, sometimes it can be just an impression. Sometimes you can actually hear words. Right now, let's go to the third kind. And that is the audible voice. So what is it like to hear the audible voice of God? I've heard it in the night a few times, but first I want to talk about the one and only time that I have heard it when I was awake. And that was when I was sitting in this chair, looking at this microphone, and it was August the 8th of 2015. I've talked about it a lot, and I heard the words, this is the time of miracles. And then he spoke to my heart. Now here, I didn't hear words, but again, I, I, I was impressed. It was like I was imparted knowledge. And then to describe what knowledge I got, I would say it this way, that he is never going to leave us. He is never going to forsake us. And that when judgment hits, so will his miracles. Again, I heard this is a time of miracles. So it makes sense. He says, and these kind of miracles are going to be miracles bigger than anyone going all the way back to Adam has ever seen. And as the judgment hits, so will my miracles. And to tell my people that I'm going to be with them. I'm going to, as the the devil raises his head, he is going to meet him inch for inch, pound for pound, step for step. Everything he does, he is not going to leave us. He is not going to forsake us. So sometimes the still small voice can be words. Sometimes it's just impression. Probably most of the time I would say it's an impression. Now let's go back to audible voice. Audible voice, in my life at least, one time, and only one time, was it an actual voice I heard while I was awake. And even to this day, I I think my ears heard it, but I can't say for certain because it wasn't a voice that I heard coming from one direction. You'd think that, say, for example, if it was an invisible angel in the room that was speaking, you'd think that I heard the voice would be coming from some direction behind me, beside me or something like, you know, or above me. I don't know, but it didn't come from any direction. So perhaps it was an audible voice that I heard in my heart. But I promise I heard English words. Next thing is sometimes, well, the only only other time that I've heard it, and I don't think that this was a voice to my ears. And that's another thing. The voice, at least as I hear it, is not a discernible voice. In other words, like you can tell the difference between a male voice or a female voice. You can tell the voice between a friend or a stranger. Sometimes maybe you hear the TV and you wonder, now I wonder who that is talking. This was not any of them. We're not a voice that I would recognize, that I would discern. Oh, that's the voice of the Lord, because it was a non-discernible voice, if that makes sense. In other words, it was not male. It was not female. (sighs) That's all I can do to describe it. It was just, it was a voice. (laughs) And the only other time I heard it was when I was memorizing the book of Revelation. I heard the seven seals play over seven years, the seven trumpets play over seven months, and the seven vials 
play over seven days. Now, in the book, I go through and I explain because I had to back that up with Scripture. I couldn't just say, oh, yeah, well, God told me. Yeah, well, good for you. Why do I believe you just because you say God told me? God told me go get a hamburger today, too. Okay, you're supposed to believe me for that? So I had to prove it by the Word, and I did in the book. And now let's go on to the next one. Let's talk about visions. I said that I had two visions, and I've given over 5,000 personal prophecies, and I'll tell you right up front, I am nowhere close to hearing the voice of God in a prophecy or anything else, for that matter, anywhere close to hearing as Leslie. Leslie is a true prophet, and she walks on a different level with the Lord than I do. But in all those 5,000 prophecies I've given, most of them happen this way. I'll pray for the person, Lord, give me a specific word, a sure word, and typically I'll reach out and touch their shoulder or hold their hand or something like that. For whatever reason, it seems to help me to hear from the Lord for that person. Most of the time, almost every time, I will see a vision. Now, let me explain what I describe as the difference between an open vision and a closed vision. And I'll tell you that my definition of them is almost exactly opposite of what I hear everybody else say. So my definition may be different. To me, an open vision would mean that you would see the world around you, but somehow in the spirit you see the vision too. That's what I would describe as an open vision. But that's not the way most people define it. So I'm just telling you my, my definition is different. Whereas a closed vision is where all everything in front of you disappears and you see the vision and you do not see the world around you anymore. Now, I've never had one of those, never had a cl- what I call a closed vision. I've only always had the, 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 the open vision. When I give a personal prophecy, I will see something in the spirit. And it's kind of like a haze. It's kind of like someone that overlays. Uh, well, if you can imagine looking at a picture and someone gradually phases in. Well, let's take, for example, let's say you're looking at a picture of a person's face and then they can slowly fade in, say, a, an ocean in the background. That's kind of like what it is with me with what I would call an open vision. In other words, I would still see the face, but then I would begin to slowly see the ocean coming into it. And then the Lord has me totally describe what I see in the vision, and then he gives me the meaning for it. That's the way I would explain it. For example, when Dimitri Dudeman died, it was in 1997, and I was very upset because I thought the tribulation was about to happen. I thought the fall of America was about to happen, and I thought in my little pea brain that I thought that God had sent Dimitri to lead us through these last days with all of these angel visits and all of the words and dreams and things like that that he had. All of a sudden, now he's dead. And so I kind of felt like I was blinded now. I thought, now, oh, what do I do? So I went out and I fasted. I just got some distilled water. This is like probably maybe even the first time I'd ever fasted. I didn't even know what I was doing, but I knew I was upset. And when I'm upset, I don't even want to eat. And my the hunger pains aren't in there. I was upset. So I went out to a little cabin on the lake. Some friends let me go there there, to their place. And I just drank nothing but distilled water and read my Bible for a whole week. On the morning of the sixth morning, I woke up into this vision. 
And still to this day, I do not have to pull up. Yes, I have written it down and I, I can pull that up, but I don't have to. It's I mean, it's it's in my heart. I can see it even as I'm talking right now. I was standing in what appeared to be a sports stadium parking lot. I knew that I had just come from being interviewed on the TV, and it was a very large secular TV station, very large city. I'm not certain, but my best guess is probably Kansas City. And I knew that the television network was doing this because they wanted to find, uh, not them, but the people behind them, that were encouraging them to have me on because they knew that they would get the license plate of everybody that came to the meeting so that they could find out who the true Christians were. And the people coming knew their license plates would be taken and they would be further monitored, but they didn't care. They want, they were coming for Jesus. They were coming for Jesus. That's the way I'll say it. As I stood on the parking lot, I, I remember seeing it was about dusk and there were cars piling in from miles away from all directions. I could see the cars coming. Um, sometime after this, I, I recall that I was in a mountainous area and my wife and I are driving down the road. And I said, I, I, I said, you see that right there? See how those cars are coming down the mountain? I said, that's what it looked like in the vision. And she was amazed. She says, you know, you remember these visions. I said, yeah. I mean, I remember her visions, her prophetic words better than she does. She gets a, a dream or vision, an angel visit, and she forgets it the next day. She is she does not call attention to herself at all. Here, I'll give you another example there. So I had asked her to clean my wedding ring. She has one of these little vibrator things that I bought her years ago, uh, sonic things and cleans rings and whatnot. And so she was cleaning my ring. Well, I've forgotten that I'd ask her to clean the ring, but I knew that I, I do remember taking my ring off. And I said, I know it's in the house. I know it's not lost. I never take it off outside here. I know it's in the house someplace. And we finally decided we were going to actively search for it. We were expecting it to just turn up and it didn't just turn up. So finally, after two or three days of kind of casually searching the house, we decided to pray finally at the last. You know how that is. So we prayed and asked the Lord to show us where the ring was. Well, the next morning, my wife comes walking in with her index finger stuck up in the air. And around her index finger is my wedding ring. She says, I found your wedding ring. I said, great. Where'd you find it? She says, well, it was in the sonic cleaner. I said, "Twas not. I said, I looked there yesterday. She said, did you look inside that little like screened ball? I said, well, no, actually, I didn't look inside there. She says, that's where it was. I said, oh, okay, thank you. And she walked off. Then I just felt led that there was something more. I needed to check into it. So I walked over and sat down next to her, and I said, tell me again. You said the Lord told you where it was? She says, yeah. I said, well, what did he tell you? He says, oh, well, he told me that the ring was in the sonic cleaner. And I said, well, exactly what were the words he said? And there was this long pause. And she said, well, that's part of what I haven't told you. I said, what? She said, well, it wasn't English. <laughs> I said, it wasn't English? She said, no. 
She said, the angel that comes to me, I said, an angel came to you? This just wasn't like an, a dream or something? She says, no, the angel came to me again. I said, you have an angel come to you? She says, yeah. And I said, and he spoke. She says, yes. I said, well, what did he say? She says, I don't know. I can't make those sounds. I said, well, try. She said, there is no trying. She says, I can't make those sounds. And I said, well, then if you can't make those sounds, <laughs> then how did you understand him? She says, I don't know. But when he talks, he talks in some other like heavenly language. I can't make those sounds, but somehow I hear it in English. You hear it in English? Yes. I said, okay, then in English, what were the words you heard? <laughs> and she said, well, it wasn't exactly in words. It's just that I was made to know that uh, your ring was in the sonic cleaner. And I got up and uh, she said, actually, I, I went on back to sleep. And then the next morning I got up this morning and I checked and sure enough, it was in the sonic cleaner. I said, all right, now, hold on. Let me get this right. So you asked the Lord to show you where my wedding ring was. And in the night, he sent an angel to you. And you didn't tell me. And you weren't going to tell me that this angel came to you. It spoke in some other angelic language, which you can't understand. But you heard the words in English. She said, that's right. And I said, is this the first time the angels come to you? No. I said, well, you got to tell me these things. I want to, <laughs> I, I, I want to, I want to know when the Lord speaks, and a lot of times she still doesn't. A lot of times, and and if she comes up with a dream or a vision or an angel vision or something like that, I might not hear. And then if I do get to hear, uh, most of the time it's me that writes it down. Uh, sometimes she will write down a dream or a, or a vision or something, but that's the last you hear of it. If you hear of it ever, ever, ever again, it comes from me. She absolutely does not bring any attention to herself whatsoever. She treats the Lord and his word with great respect and great awe. And I think that's one of the reasons, because she has a right heart. I didn't exactly come on to talk about my wife, but she is, let's put it this way. I married above myself. <laughs> I'll tell you one more quick little story. When I first introduced my wife 37 years ago to my boss and his wife, she, my boss's wife, talked to her for a while, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes they visited, and then her name was Margie. She came over, and she got right up in my face, and she took those little bony fingers, <laughs> those little bony fingers of her, and she grabbed that, you know, that soft part? Uh, of your of your stomach just right just at the bottom of your rib cage and it's real tender skin she grabbed that and i mean it was like a vice grip and she twisted that and she pushed into me and she got in my face and she said she's too good for you you better treat her right or you'll answer to me i said whoa 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 i said yes i i agree i she is better than me and yes i will treat her right you better or you'll answer me <laughs> Well, I've never forgotten that, and I do try to treat her very good because she is something very special, and she is a true prophet of God, and yeah, I, I do have to take very good. She's definitely better 
better than me. She doesn't make mistakes with people. When she says something or does something, it's all, almost always in kindness and love. That is, unless she's operating in the office of the prophet, and then that's something different. But anyway, I hope you have found this encouraging. I would ask for a prayer request. We are still needing funds to get my book printed. It's all uploaded. I got the check written out, but I can't mail the check because we don't have enough money yet. It seems like every summer we go into a dry season, and the only other dry season is Christmas. Well, it's Christmas, and we're back in the desert. It seems, I mean, I understand everybody's buying Christmas presents, but boy, if you could help us right now, it would really be nice. In 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation. God showed me a single word, first fruits, is a secret door found in Revelation and Leviticus. When linked together, the end time events can be placed in chronological order. For the first time, we can know what feast Jesus returns on, the feast for the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne, and the feast upon which the wheat is resurrected, and on the day the new Jerusalem comes down to earth. One prophetic word said, There is a lock that I have put over a word in the book of Revelation that I'm going to open unto you. It will turn many books written on the end time message into obsolete books. That's this book. Don't get one for $20. Instead, get five for 30 or 10 for 55 The secret door to understand Bible prophecy at prophecyclub.com.